We're back with another episode of the Anarchist Experience, episode 350, uh, aka year seven, week 47, coming at you this week. As always, I am your host, Mr. Richie Rich, along with MC. And since this is the show that's done on Clubhouse now, actually getting a decent start this time without so much, uh, I guess, rigmarole shooting the shit before the show. So we try to start this thing on Clubhouse about 4 p.m. Eastern time on Saturdays. So if you listen to the podcast and you want to participate live, that's the way to do it. Find the club anarchist, the anarchist experience or at me riches for rich R I C H the number four R I C H. Um, yeah. And just me and you this week, no more, no more Colombian. Uh, when do you go? Uh, what, what was her thing? The digital nomads, no more Colombian digital nomads. KS is off doing his own. Uh, thing. Maybe she'll be back someday, but, um, she yeah, seemed cool. Actually, I hope be- so. Yeah. Before we get started, I, I wanted to mention something uh, that I learned. Um, there, there was a couple of people, even in the libertarian community, that, that have pointed out the Dunning Kruger effect, uh, oh, which is when, when, when uh, uh, people that don't know uh, a subject very well uh, overestimate how good they are uh, with that subject. And, yes. There's a libertarian and, here that shouts that at every other libertarian she encounters. Exactly. Dunning Kruger. <laughs> Dunning Kruger. You're yeah. so Dunning Kruger. Yeah, yeah. And and the, the the people that are just smart enough to to you know try to control other people through their emotions or whatever uh, are the ones that use that the most. And and it's it's kind of I mean it's it's insulting, but I mean there there is like a real scientific paper behind it and nobody has read it. <laughs> so the, the point I'm trying to make and the point of the video that I watched made was that uh, everybody is wrong on their assumptions about what it actually is. Uh, so the, the video is called the irony of the, the Dunning Kruger effect. And, and that is that uh, everybody thinks they're an expert in it and, and nobody has read it basically. Okay. Uh, so, um, it, and it, it is, uh, like a real effect, but it's not, uh, the, 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 especially the chart where, where people say that there's this, uh, 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 I forget the term he used, but, um, the, the, the very first hump of where, where people think they're experts, uh, and, and they, and they, they're very low in competence, but they, they think they know a lot just because they just heard of it. And, and that's not what the Dunning-Kruger effect is at all. Right. So, so I assume that this was brought up with some sort of interaction or conversation that you No, I just, uh, okay. I came across the video, um, just by accident. And, uh, and, and I've, I, you know, that, that term is thrown around so much that it's, it's hilarious to me because, you know, the people that use it don't even know what they're saying. Yeah. I mean, it maybe in most cases, I'm fairly certain that the person using it around here um, is intelligent enough to understand it. And in my opinion, seems like the person who would have read the paper, right? Like maybe I, I, yeah. I, I, th- I think most people just assume that the person they got the information from read the paper, but it turns out like 90% of people, you know, actually don't have a clue that, and, and so it's, and it's not even about reading the paper. It's, it's making an assumption that what the, you know, because it sounds legit that it automatically, uh, you know, without any further research, it, you know, it must be true. And it does like everybody who's explained the Dunning-Kruger effect, uh, you know, and use the charts and stuff. It sounds reasonable. 
but that doesn't mean that's what the actual science uh, shows. Um, and so, you know, I tend to believe people that go into depth more than the people that, that don't. Um, and so, um, yeah, it's, it's like, <laughs> it's like, how, how do you pick the people that you choose to, to believe in, you know? And so, right. Anyway. And let me just say the uh, reason that I, I assume this person is like, has read the paper is because they rely so heavily on being the most intellectually dominant person in the conversation that they absolutely cannot um, not have all the facts on their side. And the, I'm sorry, is this the same person that was yelling Dunning-Kruger effect? Well, that, okay, yes, every, every, yes. but Then that person doesn't know. <laughs> okay, and I hear what you're saying, and I might be exaggerating because it's not like they walk not around the room yelling yeah. Dunning-Kruger. Right, right, right. It's like on Facebook, anytime someone says something and pretends to be an expert, they go, you still Dunning-Kruger, they don't even know what Dunning-Kruger is, nah. right? And they, yeah, they're yeah, just yeah. an internet troll. However, they are intelligent as well. Right, and, and a lot of intelligent people fall into uh, false information, and a lot okay. of it is uh, emotional and connection-based uh, uh type of you know you know people believing what they want to believe and, and and they don't they don't understand the psychological effects well enough to be able to question themselves okay and i think that that's that might be true for most people because that requires like a really in-depth um, evaluation it of is. yourself and and so that's what you know it actually ties back into the whole mass formation thing um and and you know what jordan peterson says you know, how, how does, uh, you know, Nazi Germany happen? Well, it's because most people aren't aware of their own psychological processes to be able to stop these, you know, things from happening. Um, and it is rare. And that's the danger of the human condition, you know? It's like, how, how do you get people to wake up from mass hypnosis? Well, it's, that's the challenge, right? And I don't know, I don't think it's just information because smart people are certainly capable of falling into these psychological traps. Yeah. And I, I, I would agree that smart people are more likely in some cases to fall into those psychological traps because they think they're above it and that That's, it won't apply to them. And I, I think that is, is very true. And it, it's, it's, it's really scary too, because, well, there's a lot of smart people, you know, particular politicians. And, and I've said this before about politicians, the reason they do it is because they find it easy. You know, they, they're good at making connections pe with people. Yeah. They're good at remembering people's names and faces and they're good at, uh, figuring out what people want and just giving it to them just so they get whatever they want, um, in return. And, um, so it's not, it's, you know, the Dunning trigger effect isn't even about, uh, you know, so much about uh, stupid people uh, making claims. It's it's about how st how stupid people rank themselves compared to uh, how you know really competent people. Uh, and it's about competence and non-competence, not not about stupid or smart. You know, you could you could have somebody who's who's very smart, but you know. Uh, has never rebuilt an engine before, and you know that that person's not competent in uh, rebuilding engines. Um, but that that person that uh, is smart but not competent at building engines will think that they're better at it than they really are, because they don't have the experience. But they think that well, I'm smart, so therefore I should be able to do it, uh, you know, with relative ease. Right. And but that's the part where they're wrong about is actually harder. But that doesn't mean they're stupid. And it, does, and it doesn't mean that they think they're smarter than the smart person that, who has done it. And that's, that's the part of the Dunning-Kruger effect that, that people misconceive. People that, that are not competent don't think they're smarter than the people that are competent. Okay. So that's, that's the main part of the, you know, the irony of the Dunning-Kruger effect isn't that dumb people think they're smarter than the competent people, you know, this has nothing to do with it. <laughs> right. I guess for me, when it comes to competence in, in a lot of cases, um, 
I'm, this is one of the reasons why I'm like, just, I just go with the expert, right? Like sure. when, when I need a plumber, when something's clogging my drain, I just go like, I'm just going to hire a plumber because yeah. I could probably and, and so, do it myself, but I don't want to take the time to learn. And so like, there's, but there's, there's a, a big problem we're, we're dealing with right now in, in regards to uh, the coronavirus. And that is, there's a whole bunch of doctors that, uh, that think they're, they're, they're smart and, and they might be competent in their, their area, but maybe they're not immunologists or, or virologists or epidemiologists or whatever, you know, there's a whole bunch of specializations. And, and now you got all these doctors saying, Oh, you should definitely take this vaccine, even though, you know, they haven't done the studies themselves and they don't know how much the studies have been, uh, you know, rigged and, and, uh, how much information has been hidden and and so you know who who are the experts the, the you know the experts are very rarely coming out on youtube and saying um exactly how they got to these these things or or they'll say oh it's so complicated that you won't understand it anyway so you just have to trust us and and that is where it's dangerous and so um, there, there's experts, you know, on both sides that that have data, you know, going both ways. Whether the vaccine is is likely to help you or harm you or or uh, or just not do anything. So, um, you know, it, it, we we won't know maybe in you know five years or or according to Pfizer, uh, seventy five years. So, yeah, that's ridiculous. <laughs> you know, what the reality is. And that's, yeah, it is so ridiculous. That, you know, you can't even make it up. It's so dumb. Um, but, uh, yeah, so what what bothers me is that if I say something on, on YouTube about uh, vaccines or viruses, um, you know, I get called the, the Dunning-Kruger effect. It's like, you know, obviously I'm not a specialist in these things. But there's a lot of things in, in reality that that are not um, that that don't take a, a doctorate's agree to uh, to degree to understand. Sure. And so things like vaccines and and the definition of vaccine. The definition of vaccine used to be that it, it contains you know some uh, dead part of the the virus or you know something. But you get it injected in you, and it creates an immunity. Well, well, it tr- it triggers an, an immune response, right? And then that. Well, it, it yeah, but it, it it implies that it creates a long term immunity. That's the reason right. you get a vaccine is so you get immunity to a disease. Right. So that use that's the old definition. The new definition they took out the whole immunity part. So it's just a vaccine is just something that helps you. Yeah. It's like, what? That means everything could be a vaccine, you know? It's, like, it's so dumb. But, okay, so leftists, they like to re- redefine words, and that's the situation we're in now. And now, you know, I get called the Dunning-Kruger effect because I point out simple things that anybody can can go look and say, look, the, the CDC is redefining words. Yes. You know? like. You just don't you understand. Don't, I, I don't have to have a PhD to see that, you know? Yeah. No, I see where you're coming from. I, I mean, this is, this is the thing, right, is whatever side you're on at this point, because the issue is so politicized, you mm-hmm. can find evidence to support your position. Sure. So the debate is worthless. Like, I, I came across an article um, while I was doing other show prep for this show, and it basically said, like, you know, there is new evidence to suggest Right, that the the best way to inoculate yourself from you know the coronavirus or COVID nineteen or whatever uh, Omicron variant is is to get the vaccine and then to get the virus mm-hmm. and then you know the the vaccine helps right and then the natural immune response to the virus like compounds the effectiveness of everything. Right. Yeah, I just saw that too. Today. Okay, yeah. So now we have now we have new information, right? which is likely in my opinion to get rejected by both sides right because uh, no i don't know i think i think that's kind of the path that everybody's on anyway uh i mean if the assumption is that you know basically everybody's going to have the the vaccine by you know by mandate or, or not 
um, then th the only real test is everybody getting exposed to the virus. So okay. everybody's going to get get the the sickness anyway, and it's just a matter of how bad is it going to be. Yeah, except at least here again, we're, there's no talks uh, about you know mandated vaccines. Like the mm -hmm. the anti-vax and the unvaxed here, we shall remain so. Mm -hmm. uh, there's there's a city here uh, that is unfortunately reinstituting their mask mandate, right? <laughs> Like they, they had a, a council hearing, like, let's listen to what the people have to say. And it was overwhelmingly in favor of not putting back, not putting another mask mandate in. And the city council went, we've listened to the people and we have decided we're going to reinstitute the mask mandate. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, but it's, you know, so that's like, that's their solution. Right to whatever Omicron, whatever Delta variant that's coming around the around the bend, but there's there's already a handful of businesses who are like, well, we're not, we're just not going to do anything about that. And part of that discussion was like one of the one of the uh, council members apparently said something effective like, well, let's let's make it enforceable on the people, like the the individuals who violate the mask mandate um, get get the penalty. And then someone else went, well, that makes it unenforceable. Like, at least if we penalize the businesses, we can close down their businesses and make them enforcers of the state. And so that's what they went with. So now the, the business. Oh, yeah. The, yeah. That's actually the like the, the whole genius of authoritarianism is, is that you 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 make the citizens or in this case, the businesses do your bidding for you. Yes. Um, and and that is where, you know, that's what I'm actually so so pissed off about is that uh you know when biden opened his mouth all of a sudden all the businesses in hawaii even with even without a real law or ma mandate or anything it was just biden just said it and all of a sudden the businesses oh yeah that's great we'll we'll just we'll just do that on our own so i'm like i'm like no i don't really think the businesses have to do it i think they a lot of them want to do it um and they think they're doing the right thing and and i you know i'm i'm totally against going in those those establishments you know because uh, how, how uh, uh, corrupt it is, you know, it's like. Yeah. Well, and I think that's the beauty. That's the beauty of having the market take place because it turns into a win-win, right? Any place that mandates a vaccine passport or a mask or whatever, right? Like we would want to, the, the anti-vaxxers and the no mask mandate people, like we don't want to um, patronize those businesses, Right. And so they don't want us. We don't want to go in there. And then it works out. We just we just patronize businesses that do. Um, like for example, I think some people out in Keene, uh, the other city that you know that I, I mm -hmm. frequent, are getting. And this is one that just passed the mask mandate again. Are getting um, a little overwhelmed that the the meetups there are only at one restaurant, right? Like we go to the same restaurant um, for the meetups every single week. And because they have multiple meetups there, they have multiple meetups at the same restaurant every single week. So you're eating at this one restaurant, like possibly three, four nights a week. If you go to everything, all the social events and I go like, well, why do, why don't we just switch restaurants? I go, <laughs> well, because this was the one that didn't fucking make us wear a face diaper, you know, in the middle of the pandemic. Right. Like <laughs> every place else gave us a hard time or kicked us out or said they didn't want our businesses. And this one was like open arms, open doors, in, in, you know, in the face of the, the city enforcement, right? Like we don't care, come at us. We're just, you know, we're going to do our thing. And so that's why we preach. That's why we preach. But now that everything else is open up, like, well, we can, we can go elsewhere now. Now that other businesses aren't doing it like, yeah, but do you want to go back to the, to the restaurants that gave us a hard time for all of 2020 and most of 2021? Like, I get it. You guys are here more often than me, but I'm fine. You know, given this one business, uh, my, my money once a week when I'm there. And then, you know, if, if the mask mandate comes down and all these other businesses do the same thing, we're like, well, the city is forcing us. So now we have to, right? Well, no, no, let's just, we'll just keep going where we're always going. Cause they weren't and they won't. And we're good. Like that's our, that's our spot. So it's, it's good to know, you know, which businesses want this and which businesses aren't going to comply. Right on. <laughs> all right. So Dunning Kruger, done yeah i guess so okay yeah I, I just want i want more people to, to watch the irony of the dudding krieger effect but at the same time i kind of don't want them to because they, 
the more people yelling that and not understanding that it just becomes funny. <laughs> okay. How long is this video? And will you send uh, me a link to it? Cause I can throw the link up in the show notes. If I, it's maybe 20 minutes, I think. Okay. Um, so, but you don't have to do yeah, it now, but like message me, message up, me the link and I'll throw it in the yeah. show notes when I put everything. All you have to do is look up the irony of the Dunning Kruger effect and, and you find it. Okay. I, I don't want to do that. Cause if you, okay, if you already got the video, just, I mean, I could, I absolutely could, but you know, if you want to, if you want to Google it, fine, go ahead and Google it. Um, but I'm, I'm going to try to get it into the show notes to make it easy on everybody. Um, now, now that we're done with that, right, we can move on. Um, we're going to do some headlines, but we're going to start with the headline that you wanted to get into last week that we ran out of time for, and then actually remembered to remind me to do it at the beginning of this week. So, and it kind of ties in, um, because it's, you know, deals with the, the psychological field and psychology and collectivism and so headline young people turn to collectivism because of these psychological disparities uh from the activist post are americans changing with the times are the times changing with americans or has nothing really changed at all in the past century before we dive into this discussion it's important to understand one thing above all else there is nothing new under the sun Every new political movement or cultural upheaval has happened a thousand times or more in the past. Every new form of governance is just a rehashed version of a system that came before it. Every new economic structure is one of a handful of pre-existings and ever-repeating trade methodologies. Every new revolution and rebellion is a fight for the same basic goals against the same persistent foes that have always existed since the dawn of civilization. All of human history can be condensed down to a few fundamental and irreconcilable differences, desires, values, and ambitions. This cycle of events is a kind of historical furnace where people and nations are forged. Most go through life without any inkling of the whirlwind. They think the things happening to them are unique and unprecedented. Maybe if human beings lived longer, they would realize how common such conflicts are and view the repetition with less panic. The so-called disenfranchised feel overwhelmed by the tides and completely devoid of any influence over the future. Then there are those who have the ability to see the story unfold. There are those who try to control it and use it to their advantage. There are those who are trying desperately to escape it, even at the cost of reason and sanity. And there are those who take truly individual actions and make history rather than simply being caught up in it. None of us really know which path we will choose until we are faced with a defining moment, and none of us know when that moment will arrive. I know it sounds crazy, but living in interesting times is not a curse. It is a blessing. Of course, not everyone feels this way. Collectivism targets the young for a reason. As the mainstream media is fond of reminding us, there is a large percentage of teens and young adults today that are turning to collectivist systems like socialism to find protection from what they see as a cruel and unfair era that is inhospitable to their prosperity and emotional security. They feel that the generations that came before them rendered all the fat and siphoned all the wealth this country has to give, and now there is nothing left for them. In some cases, they are correct. In other cases, they have been cleverly misled. That's right, folks. It's a return to the epic battle between the inexperienced and naive younglings who will one day inherit the earth and the selfish and obstinate boomers that supposedly ruined it for them. A battle not just of classes, but of generations. Nothing new under the sun, same as it ever was. According to mainstream polling over the past few years, there has been an aggressive shift in younger people away from traditional American concepts like free market, what leftists call capitalism, and individualism towards the sweet, sugary smell of candy, coated socialism. The strange thing is that many millennials and Gen Z kids mistrust government more than any generation that has come before them in recent memory. Yet more than half of them actually think that socialism, big government, is a rebellion against corrupt and intrusive government influence. Yeah, how do they ever come to that conclusion? It's bizarre. There are a lot of very insightful theories on why this is happening. Some people argue that public schools and colleges have become subversively communist and ideological, 
and that recent generations have been exposed to increasing levels of indoctrination. It's true, the evidence is undeniable that this is happening, and the propaganda coming from public schools is so radioactive, it's giving the country cancer. However, what this theory overlooks is that younger people are targeted with collectivist uh, cultism for a reason. They are already highly susceptible to the narrative. Certain people and groups are more psychologically inclined to adopt particular values and embrace particular solutions. Young people tend to lean more towards the collectivist mentality and the elitists behind the curtain encourage and exploit this existing social trait. They don't create these divisions out of thin air. The divisions already exist in society and they take advantage. That's the big secret that very few analysts want to acknowledge. Who is to blame? To be fair, older generations have not helped the situation much. It would have been better if the fight against globalism, collectivism, etc., had been found and ended. Uh, fought, excuse me, had been fought and ended decades ago. There have been a lot of false starts. Economically, older Americans have done very little to stop government spending and the Federal Reserve's money printing bonanza, and now we are witnessing a stagflationary crisis, which young people are ill-equipped to survive. There are many comforts that baby boomers took for granted, such as greater buying power of the dollar and easier home ownership. And these are comforts that newer generations will probably not experience. But then again, blaming the apathy of boomers as the sole culprits behind the economic decline of the U.S. is a deflection on the part of young socialists. Let's be real. The vast majority of stimulus creation was accomplished by the Fed between 2008 and today. Millennials are more than old enough to take part of the responsibility. The central bank and the government conjured more national debt and inflationary stimulus in the past decade than all previous 235 years of our country's existence combined. Most younger Americans stood by and watched this happen right along with baby boomers. Also, accusing boomers of dereliction of duty for not leaping into revolution against the powers that presumes that this was ever their job. Uh, it's a lot like blaming the parents or grandparents of the founding fathers for not breaking from England sooner. Maybe there just wasn't enough momentum yet. Maybe the task was left to the founders' era for a reason. Maybe these things are part of a cycle, as mentioned above, and maybe an accounting of our current predicament was not possible until today. Like I said, we don't get to choose the time in which we live, and moments where tyranny or rebellion are decided are fleeting in history. Sorry, kids, but someone has to come of age during these moments of malaise, and that falls on you. Unfortunately, some of you will now be standing in support of the corrupt system instead of fighting against it, and we will be finding ourselves at cross-purposes. The exploitable psychological weaknesses of youth. The question again is, why are we on opposite sides? Why are around two-thirds of younger people putting their faith in big government when they are the generation that's supposed to be the most suspicious of government? Why is it with the young and socialism and collectivism? What is it with the young and socialism and collectivism? To be sure, collectivist movements like to present themselves as revolutionary and fighting for the underdogs. And usually they are marginal in their social presence and seem to be grassroots in origin when they begin. The key to knowing if a movement is real or as if it is controlled farce is to see who is putting their money behind it. It is not surprising that most conservatives that the political left enjoys endless cash flows from globalist institutions and corporate backers. After all, we are the people these kids are being encouraged to destroy because we are an actual opposition to the system, uh, save a handful of uh, GOP elites that are conservative in rhetoric only. Social justice groups are finding enthusiastic allies among the mega-rich, the very people the left claims they are fighting to dethrone. BLM and other leftist organizations have received hundreds of millions of dollars in aid from the Ford Foundation, the Rockefeller Foundation, George Soros and his Open Society Foundation, etc. This is not conspiracy theory. This is openly admitted reality. Colleges in particular have long been a grooming ground for the elite. And it's important to remember that many leftists are coaxed and manipulated by gatekeepers into the role of angry activists. That doesn't mean they bear no responsibility for their actions. This leads us to the psychology of today's younger generation and why they are so often targeted for exploitation by collectivists. The vulnerable psychology of the young. Collectivist movements associate with empathetic, empathetic causes, and many young people draw political conclusions based on emotion and empathy. It makes sense. 
Most younger Americans value empathy and charity above all else because they have only been on this earth for a short period of time. They have thrived for most of their brief existences because of charity and support from other people, like their parents. They move into the adult world wondering why collective support and centralized charity are not there waiting for them. It is the, it's the only system of survival they have ever known, and now the world demands that they stand on their own two feet and make their own way alone. The go-to solution is usually to enter college and take on debt. For the past 10 to 15 years, college for most people has become a way to escape the real world for a few more years. A large number of them take on useless majors and pay tens of thousands of dollars for degrees that have no value to any employer. When college ends, the escape plans ends, and once again, reality waits for them. But now they have an average of $30,000 in debt dragging on their necks like millstone. This is why the number of young people living with their parents in their 20s and 30s has skyrocketed in the past several years to 52%. When mommy and daddy are no longer the primary means of sustainment, they search for a proxy, and the government looks like a tempting replacement. This is partially the fault of helicopter parents who have spent the better part of their children's lives trying to shield them from any responsibility or consequences. They have left swarms of these kids completely unprepared for the harsh lessons of the adult world. The fact of the matter is childhood ends and dependency ends and you will have to be able to function without constant help or you will feel the pain of failure. This is how the world works and how it will always work. Socialism, communism, and globalism, collectivism all make promises that under the new system you can remain a child for the rest of your life forever cared for by the government. And this is a lie. Collectivist systems do have a habit of making most people equal in that we are all made equally poor and equally destitute. The utopian vision of a world without work or worries always has a hidden price tag as well. The sacrifice of personal freedom is the trade, and while some don't see this as a bad thing, most of them aren't old enough yet to understand what they are losing. A problem more specific to millennials and Gen Z is that they have an extraordinarily high expectations, but extremely low initiative and ambition. When their top dream job for young people in a poll after poll is YouTuber or influencer, you know that our society is in trouble. The expectation is that work will always be minimal while money will always be ample and fame will be inevitable. Social media is built on this very narrative and the number of followers a person has on social media is treated as a currency. Subscribers and followers are the new measure of individual success even if that person has accomplished nothing else in their lives. Imagine that you have this mentality sloshing around in your brain and suddenly you are faced with the cold, hard reality of the nine-to-five work-a-day world. You're going to be enraged when you realize how much struggle and discomfort it really takes just to pay the rent and put food in your stomach. Xennials think that older people somehow didn't have to go through this, but they are misinformed. Nearly all of us struggle in our 20s to get somewhere in life. Most of us have lived paycheck to paycheck in our early years. Once you enter adulthood, it can take a couple of decades to accumulate any measure of wealth or success. But young people today are utterly impatient with the process and are clamoring for shortcuts. When they realize there are no shortcuts, they feel that they have been wronged. There is a realization that comes to a person only through experience and heartache, and it is this. Life is not a violation of our comfort. Life is not something that is done to us. Life is unfair for a reason. It is a test of who we are and who we might become. Life is a relentless test. Collectivist gatekeepers will spin fantastic narratives of a future devoid of discomfort and free from responsibility. All you have to do is give up all your freedoms and the reward will be a perpetual childhood. It sounds nice, but it's quite evil in its design. Infantizing, 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 I think that word is misspelled. A society uh, is the first step to enslaving a society. Uh, being dependent on government means giving total control to government. Government becomes the parent, and not all parents love their children. Big government and collectivism are also intoxicating weapons. Much like the One Ring in The Lord of the Rings, a lot of people think that they can use it for good. But big government power corrupts everyone eventually. There are many people on the political left today who are basking in the dark side of their power. They love the intimidation of the mob, and they love that corporations and politicians are helping them to destroy their enemies. All social justice 
is built on the notion that the expectation of betterment is a form of bigotry. Seeing merit as a measure of a person's value is deemed horrific. In a meritocracy, these people have no power. But in a world of equity, where people compete to see who is the most broken and the most oppressed, the power goes to those who can get the most handouts and special treatment. Then there are people that are simply narcissistic and sociopathic. And these are traits that are highly valued in the social media culture and in collectivist regimes. In the new world, there will be two types of people who will be allowed to succeed. The people who prove their victim status and the people who have no conscience. If you don't have any defining social justice points to help you climb the diversity totem pole, then you will be stuck unless you're willing to do almost any evil to get ahead. And maybe this has always been the goal of the establishment, to get our culture to a place where evil is the most accepted option. To be clear, there are millions of young Americans who are not on board with the collectivist program, but the longer the current dynamic goes on, the harder it will be to reverse the damage already done by the system. Something is going to have to change very soon and rather violently. While the young are exploited through their fears of stepping into a world based on merit, collectivist tyrants will only continue to grow. Uh, end of the article. Uh, you wanted it. I'll let you comment. <laughs> Leave it open for I, you. I, I thought the part where, where it said, as, as evidence that this is uh, turning bad somehow, um, is, is that uh, polls show that, that young people uh, want to be YouTubers, you know? <laughs> I mean, it, that's always been the case, that young people look up to other young, successful people. Yeah, we talked about this because last week. they're young, and there are young, successful people. It's like, oh, I want to do that. That's how you do it. And so for me, it was, you know, oh, I want to be a rock star. You know? Right. <laughs> so I, I thought it was funny that that was used as some type of evidence. But no, it's it, that's always the way it's been. And same old, same old. And and but I also I mean, the, there is, uh, you know, truth on both sides of the argument that uh, but I, I don't think either side is willing to budge. And so, you know, there, you know, from, from this guy's point of view, uh, he would be like, well, you know, it's, you know, society should be based on meritocracy, right? Is that, that was somewhere in the article. Yeah. Right. Okay. So it, you know, you work for, you know, people have to work and then they get successful from their hard work and everything. And that's, that's, that's great and all. Um, so we should hold the banks to the same standard, you know, if, uh, if if I can't print money, then they shouldn't be able to print money either. Um, and so I think that's that's part of the, where the the, the centralization uh, has and the 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 polarity between uh, the left and the right has has confused things so much that that we can't really have a conversation about that easily. Sure, I think part of this article for me, um, I want to say is. Uh, how do I want to put this? It, it enhances what I've been saying. It reinforces what I've been saying uh, for quite some time. And that is the world is full of useful idiots. It is about time that libertarians and anarchists took advantage of this fact. Right. Well, how, how do you take advantage of use useful idiots? <laughs> the, the same way that the others are doing it, right? Like this, this is the other thing that I think we've talked about in the past. Uh, they're these younglings, as the article says, are being emotionally manipulated into this line of thought, right? And again, this is a lot of re reiterating what I've already said in the past. Uh, libertarians and anarchists, from our perspective, lean on logic and rational thought to convince people that our way is correct and proper. And I am convinced after years of trying to, con you know, convince people that this is the right way to do things through logic and reasoning, that that is not how they will be brought along. And so I am, I am of the opinion that if you want to take advantage of these uh, malleable brains, right, it has to be based on an emotional appeal. And so if, you know, if the collectivists are saying, look, Look at all, you can have a world 
of leisure and childhood and no responsibilities. And all you have to do is believe this way and move the world in this direction, right? Then that has to be countered by libertarians and anarchists from the other side um, in, in a similar way, right? With just different mechanisms, I guess, right? Because the reason it's so appealing is because the youngs, there's, there's a market demand for that type of lifestyle, right? The one of the, the one of leisure and no responsibility. And I just, you know, minimal work. And, and that to me, that's fine. I think with, with the current, uh, technology and um understanding of markets i think i think both sides being happy could be met uh if if everybody was basically on the same page like um but there is a resistance from you know people on the right to say well we don't want a world where people can just you know be surf bums and be happy you know, we want, we want that everybody has to work and it's gotta be right. you know, 40 hours a week, 40 hours a week is the magic number for some reason, you know, and well, I would thank like you unions like, for that. Yeah. But I would like it to be, you know, well, if you can get by on one hour a week, good for you. If you, you know, if you can, if you want to work 80 hours a week, good for you, you know, it's like, right. Um, and, and I think we could get to a point where, you know, we're working one hour a week, uh, could, you know, feed the whole world and, and, uh, and you know, people would be basically free to do whatever they want with the rest of their time. Right. Um, and that, that's what I'm aiming for. Not, not the world where everybody has to work. And that's, you know, <laughs> that's ridiculous to me. Right. And so what I'm saying is if that's the goal, right, then these, these younglings, these impressionable minds need to be convinced that they can achieve that goal, uh, through, through freedom and free market principles. Right. Right. But it cannot be a logical leap from that. It can't be, well, you can get this because if you do A, B, and C, that would naturally lead to D, E, and F. Right. It has to be an emotional appeal. And then, you know, slide in those principles and like, you know, if you want, the future you want is through this door called freedom and free markets. Right. And, and you will get trapped into these collectivist ideals Right, that will never get you to the other side of that door. And you will wonder why some other people have made it through that door. And it's because, you know, their their you know, their desire for free freedom and free market principles. Um one of the it wasn't a big news article this week, but you know, uh, speaker Nancy Pelosi made headlines. Right? Did you see this? Uh, no. Okay, she basically made headlines because she doesn't want to ban insider trading for Congress people. Right. She goes, well, this is, this is a, this is a free market economy. And so if we have information that you don't have, we should be free to, to act on it or something to that effect. Don't quote me, but that was the idea. Right. And she's getting heat for it because number one, she's a politician. So she, she damn well knows that this is not a free market economy. Right. <laughs> and she is exercising special privilege as a politician where other people who are, you know, accused of insider trading are not allowed. Right. Yeah. So, and and she, the guaranteed she knows better right but she also like knows the audience and knows how to pitch those people on these words and those terminology and even though she's catching hell for it from you know the conservative side of things those people don't matter right that's that's not the target so they can say all that the, all what they want and it's not going to impact like her base at all now part of me goes like in this particular instance, she's right, right? If you got rid of the government and got rid of, you know, um, insider trading regulations, then yes, there will be imperfect information. And knowing that there's going to be imperfect information, you as, a, as an investor, right, need to be more diligent about the information that you're looking at, right? Like, you know, for example, like if Elon Musk suddenly pulls all of his money out of Tesla, for whatever reason, right? It might be because he's got more information than you do, right? And you may want to use, you know, your gut feeling plus that information to decide whether or not Tesla's a good buy all of a sudden, right? So having insider information, yeah, absolutely. Um, 
but if it's an acceptable part of of that aspect of society right where where you know that there are people who have more information than you and are going to use that to to better themselves uh, then you can make your decisions based on that information as well i guess does that make sense is that not clear oh it makes sense yeah sure. yeah okay and so like i go like okay good you know, it's obviously not a free market. It's not obviously a free market capitalist system. Um, but Speaker Pelosi's right that you should be able to, you know, you should be able to uh, use insider information or, you know, the 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 information yeah, I think, disparity. I think politicians should be able to uh, trade on, based on whatever information they have after we hang them. Okay. I'm for <laughs> that, too. Right. So. Uh, yeah, the problem isn't, you know, whether we should or not be able to trade or not is the problem is the politicians. Um, they have way too much power and they're, and they're not supposed to, you know, they're, they're not supposed to be able to mandate that people get vaccines, you know, or, or even take our money away from us to, to fund these things. You know, it's like, yeah, there's enough scared, crazy, you know, lunatics out there, uh, you know, begging for these vaccines, they would fund it themselves. Why do you need the government to do that? Yeah. You know, have a Kickstarter. Oh yeah, we'd like to make a vaccine. It's going to cost ten billion dollars to do it. I Let almost do it, and then and then get rid of the FDA and say you can you can launch it whenever you feel ready, and you can take the damn thing whenever you want. You know. <laughs> yeah. Experimental drug. That's again. That was the weird thing when when it came to libertarians and the vaccine. You know, early on, right? Yeah. Is they were shouting, you know, oh, this is an experimental drug, right? As a, and it's not FDA approved. Um, but weeks before that, right, we were clamoring to allow people to take experimental drugs that aren't FDA approved, right? As part of, as part of freedom and liberty and doing what, what you want, you yeah, can take I mean, whatever. Some, some libertarians, you know, said it was don't take it because it's not, not FDA approved. But um, I don't know. I, I'd hope most don't even care well, what the FDA says, you know. Understood. But, and you're right, some said it, some didn't, but the fact that there were some saying that, you know, that this is a reason not to take it is because it's experimental seemed like a conflict of principles to me. And I just want to call them. No, I mean, it's, it's perfectly logical to say don't take it because it's experimental. Uh, but if you want to take it and it's experimental, then, then do it. <laughs> you know? Right. I hear, what, I hear what you're saying, and I don't think that that was, that was their position. Right, I know. Right, it should there, be like this is experimental, and we believe that you should be allowed to take it, just like we right. should believe that you should be allowed to take any experimental drug. Uh, right. But then you know, put your foot down when it came to the mandates that are still looming. There, what is up there, with that? There's people, you know, including me, that 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 you know think they know what the right thing to do is. Um, the way I put it, you know, is I think I know what's right for me, um, yes. and you do whatever you want to do. Um, you know, I, I don't think the risk is worth it for taking the vaccine uh, for me. Yep. <clears throat> but, um, you know, I'm in a different position than a lot of people are. So, okay. And, and my, my levels of fear are way lower than most people's. So. Let me ask you this then, because um, uh, a little while ago, I mentioned the new article that said the best way to, you know, to move forward is to take the vaccine and then get the virus. So if that's believable it, science now. It, it might be, and it, and it might also be just as good just to get the virus without getting the vaccine. Okay. Um, I think natural immunity is the thing that does it. I don't think the vaccines is necessary. The vaccines definitely do not uh, cause immunity, and that's why I don't like when people call it a vaccine, um, and that's why they had to change the definition of the word. Um, so, you know, if it doesn't create immunity, it's not worth the risk, in my opinion. Okay. And, and generally I'm with you. Like I, I've, I've had it. I've said that before. I don't intend to get the vaccine. Um, I don't, I, I'm fortunate to be in an area where it's not going to be mandated. Um, but I have had friends that like, this is the hill, right? This is the, this is the, you're not putting anything in me that I'm, you know, this, this is, this is when we start the shooting basically. <laughs> I go, all right, you know, at least, at least you have, you know, at least you have your hill defined. Uh, <laughs> But I've also, I've also maintained that in the past as well, right? You know, they, 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 there's a lot of people around that want to maintain the idea that this is a peaceful movement, right? And I go, yes, 
it is peaceful. But there's there is the always the underlying tone of violence that allows you to exist on the peaceful plane. And I don't think that we should be getting away from that, especially when it comes to um, politicians or enforcers trying to enforce these edicts upon you, right? Like they have to know that their life is on the line when they're making decisions for your life and your health. I'll leave it at that, but that's what I'm saying. Um, the other thing I want to touch on is you said like, you know, how will they fund this thing? And I did, I had, I came across an article. I didn't throw it up as show prep uh, because it was a little bit too sport ball-y, but it's basically like about the green Bay Packers. Are you familiar with the sport ball team, the football team? Uh, I'm sorry. What, what just move forward with it? Yeah. Okay. The green Bay Packers, it's a football team okay. um, in Wisconsin, but they are the only like publicly held football team. Right, like they they're fan owned, basically. Like you you own stock in the in the Packers football team, um, so they don't have the you know they don't have rich billionaires or anything like that, or you know, or that sort of ownership. And nor do they rely on um, city support for their activities. So this was this was an article for reason. I'll just give you basically the headline, but it was basically uh, when when something needs to happen for the Green Bay Packers, like how do they fund it? And it was like, we just asked the fans, right? Because those are the shareholders in the, in the team. Um, so it, it was to support your point that if, they, if people really want something really bad enough, they will fund it themselves, and you don't have to forcibly extract wealth from anybody. Right? The, the Packers need something new. They go to the shareholders or whatever, and they go like, come up with some money for this. <laughs> yeah. uh, your mic got really windy all of a sudden, did you? Sorry. Oh, sorry. I had to take the dog out. Okay. Just, I'm back. Okay. Sorry. Just making sure. Uh, but yeah, so they, they, they go to their shareholders and, you know, to another round of funding uh, instead of going to the city uh, for a handout. And so I thought that was interesting, even though I didn't bring it up show prep, but again, just highlights the fact that if people really want something done, um, they will find a way to fund it themselves, whether it's, you know, a football team, a vaccine or anything else you can think of. Uh, security, right? Like, ah, oh, who's uh, defund the police? Yeah, please go ahead, go ahead, defund the police and let people, you know, pay for the security level that they want that they can afford. Of course. All right. Um, shall we move on to the rest of the headlines? We might have time for one or two, depending. Sure. All right. Headline: The social responsibility of business is still to its business. Ooh. A headline: A judge has ordered him released from prison twice. The government still won't set him free. Uh, headline, Arizona mom threatened with prison place, uh, placed on secret blacklist for letting kids play at the park. Uh, headline, power outage. Too bad. California just banned the sale of gas-powered generators, lawnmowers, and leaf blowers. Headline, Tesla sues customers over criticism. Uh, headline survey ranks the safest states to live in in during COVID. Number five may surprise you. Uh, Hawaii's on that list. That's why I brought that one up. Uh, headline New York City bans natural gas from new buildings. Uh, headline. Oh, where'd it go? Oh, I'm going to skip down because I can't find it. Headline France says Amazon must charge more for book deliveries. Oh, and hold on. We got KS jumping in wants to say something. All right, KS, your hand is up. If you accept that invite, you can jump oh, in. Hey. Good, good. Oh, I, I just also wanted to make just one little remark before you move on. Yeah, please, absolutely. That, uh, That's why we you, do this. If you fund uh, the police yourself through private uh, companies, uh, you get a lot more efficient service, too, at a lot, much lower cost. There was rural Metro one time that offered um, to take over the police services for Ajo, Arizona, and uh, they were going to provide it at one-seventh the cost that they were normally paying for with the same level of training, same level of equipment, uh, although they did with their rural metro fire department services were able to provide much better equipment and services at one-fifth the cost. At any rate, uh, then the police uh, in the state uh, put them out of business saying, no, you're not allowed to have uh, private services because it would show up the, uh, the government services pretty badly. At any rate, I think uh, it was just yeah. a comment about how the market does provide a lot better privacy, 
prices and services and innovation than when there's competition and choice. There's a private security company, I think, in the Detroit area as well. I don't remember. Somewhere up in Michigan um, that grew into some prominence within libertarian circles some years ago. Basically for that. Like they, they offered a subscription service um, to call them for actual security issues instead of 911. And they were faster to respond, uh, but they charged when they responded quite a bit, right? Mm. So you weren't calling them for anything frivolous. It was, I need help immediately, and I'm, I'm willing to pay the fee for it. And they, you know, they, they did very well at the time. I have no idea where they're, you know, where they're at now or what their situation is. Um, but it's basically, yeah, you know, we, we provide better service than the police. We provide um, quicker service than the police. And because we're, you know, because there's a price to be paid by people who make the phone call, um, that they, you know, they, they weren't bogged down with, you know, random stuff, right? They weren't, they weren't high, you know, hijacking people on the side of the highway trying to generate revenue. They were like, you need security, you call us, and then boom, we're on the spot, Johnny on the spot. And the very good thing about that, too, is that it's a kind of fee that can be absorbed by insurance companies that see there's tremendous advantages to having quick response because they're, they're going to save, insurance companies will save money if people get quicker faster treatment too so it it doesn't have to be a cost that only the rich can bear it mean it insurance companies can step in and provide that service as they do for ambulances you know right and 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 yeah. so that's you know with the with the market deciding right it it turns out to be better service for everyone involved right customers yeah. like the service people who are using it liked it um i don't i don't know how the, i don't know how much the people that they were you know uh protecting against like the service right but you know can it really be worse than the cops type Hmm. of thing i don't know Hmm. any other comments on i don't know when you jumped in yeah good good i i yeah this this is good i that's the only thing i had to comment on okay all right mc do you want to pick one of those headlines and we'll try to blast through Uh, no you pick for me okay let me where's the one then one that I was really curious about when you were doing it. Of course, they all are curious things, but uh, the guy that was released from prison twice, but they won't let him go. Oh, yeah. Okay, we can do that. A judge has ordered him released from prison twice. The government still won't set him free. We don't know where Bobby Sneed will celebrate his 75th birthday this weekend, but two locations look increasingly likely. Either the Louisiana State Penitentiary, also known as Angola, or a nearby jail. He has counted the majority of his milestones behind prison walls, having been incarcerated for more than 47 years for his role in a 1974 burglary. This year was going to be different. The Louisiana Board of Pardons and Committee on Parole voted unanimously to release him months ago, yet Sneed has remained in prison long past his March 29, 2021 release date, and despite a November 18th court decision ordering his release. Another ruling came down early last week. Sneed must be freed, a judge said. And as he was waiting by the gate for pickup, prison officials again refused to release him, instead re-arresting him and transferring him to the West Feliciana Parish Detention Center in St. Francisville, Louisiana. It was an additional plot twist in Sneed's legal odyssey, set in motion by the Committee on Parole trying to undo its own decision and violating state law in the process. (laughs) Sneed's story highlights how far some government agents will go to keep people locked up, flouting the same legal standards they are charged with upholding, even after they publicly conceded the person poses no danger to society. The minimum requirements of due process in in the parole revocation context requires disclosure of the evidence against him, the right to confront and cross examine adverse witnesses, a neutral and detached hearing body, and a written statement by the fact finders to the evidence relied on, wrote Judge Ron Johnson of the 19th Judicial District Court in East Baton Rouge, Paris. Because it is undisputed that no such procedures were followed when Mr. Steen's parole was stripped, this court finds that he was deprived of due process of law. In mid-March... Not long after the Committee on Parole approved Sneed's release in a hearing that lasted 17 minutes, he collapsed in one of the prison dormitories. He was admitted to the infirmary, where he allegedly tested positive for amphetamine and methamphetamine. But there was no complete chain of custody on those urine samples, 
and thus no way to confirm to whom they actually belonged. And while the doctor's note said that Sneed admitted to drug use, she later told Thomas Frampton, Sneed's attorney, that she wasn't sure why that was in her notes because Sneed never told her that. He had been in and out of consciousness, unable to speak for himself. Sneed maintained his innocence, and a disciplinary committee ruled in his favor. Yet that didn't stop the committee on parole from illegally moving to revoke his freedom during a brief May hearing, long after his release date had come and gone. At the time, he was supposed to be home with family. Instead, he sat in solitary confinement. To avoid complying with the second court ruling ordering Sneed's release, uh, the Committee on Parole issued an arrest warrant Friday on another contraband charge. This was the same panel that already acknowledged that Sneed no longer poses a risk to the community. Sneed, a Vietnam veteran, suffered a stroke in 2005, after which point he had to relearn how to walk and talk. But what if he is guilty of using contraband? Should that change their determination? I don't believe that there's any threat to public safety, but keeping him incarcerated at his age and with his medical conditions, it's more costly with very finite taxpayer dollars to keep him locked up than to help him get a substance abuse treatment, says Kerry Myers, deputy director of the Louisiana Parole Project. What's at stake is what's the best use of resources. Uh, prior to the May rescission hearing, Francis Abbott, executive director of the Louisiana Board of Pardons and Committee on Parole, told me there was, no, there was good reason to move forward as they did. We've got documents that were submitted to the board that are not open to the public, he said. Sneed's legal team was also barred from seeing those documents. It was only after the hearing that the evidence detailing, for instance, the doctor's comments on Sneed's alleged drug use was provided to them. The paperwork allowed Frampton to track down the doctor who treated Bobby, the one who could Sneed conceded that Sneed hadn't, in fact, admitted to anything. But Frampton wasn't able to counter the government's claim during the hearing, as he had not yet been provided with the basics. That hearing, which I observed via Zoom, failed to incorporate basic legal standards, which the defendant, unaware of the supposed evidence against him, and with his team not allowed to call witnesses. Indeed, respondents' position was that they did not need to afford Mr. Steed a proper revocation hearing, notes Judge Johnson in last week's decision. His ruling came in response to Seed's second federal civil uh, rights lawsuit against Abbott and Tim Hooper, the warden at Angola. To circumvent the first suit, the government's motion to dismiss filing asserted that Sneed failed to allege or show that Director Abbott possesses any statutory authority to take any official action with respect to Sneed's parole status or that he actually did so. The argument and admission would circle back to haunt them once the public records were released. Hold off on any paperwork, Abbott wrote to Whitney uh, Troxler, a parole administrator, on March 26th at 6.50 a.m., three days before Sneed's scheduled release. About an hour later, she then forwarded the email to Cheryl Ranatza, the parole board chair, apprising her of what uh, he had done. FYI, granted last Thursday and was scheduled to release Monday. In other words, the government seemingly admits that Abbott did not have the statutory authority to stop Sneed's release, and yet it appears that's what he did. Thanks for your continued interest in this matter. Unfortunately, we will not be commenting on this ongoing legal matter, Abbott told Reason last week. In 1974, Sneed stood guard while three of his accomplices robbed a home and ultimately killed one of the residents who lived there. Though he was two blocks away when the murders occurred, he was charged with principle to commit second-degree murder, a conviction that was overturned after he successfully petitioned for the court to vacate it. The charge, which is similar to the felony murder rule, allowed the government to prosecute him for murder while also conceding he didn't kill anyone on the grounds that it occurred during the commission of a related crime. He was reconvicted in 1987. Mr. Sneed is deeply remorseful for his role in the murder of Mr. Jones, uh, Reed Sneed's suit. His incarceration has given him time to reflect on his role in the offense and how he could have pre prevented the senseless act of violence that occurred. Out of the six defendants involved in that burglary, Sneed is the only one who remains in prison. Following the prison's renewed refusal to set Sneed free, Frampton filed a motion to hold the state officials in contempt. So months after the government openly recognized that Sneed is no longer a hazard to the community, we'll soon find out if they'll succeed in clawing him back to prison for yet another birthday. End of the article. Uh, you're still here with us, so what are your thoughts, KS? Uh, justice being served no it seems like uh yeah it, it yeah sad thing i'm very sure you know i mean they, they've gone after i mean i thought it was interesting that everybody else in that case has been released but not him 
Yeah. And he seems to be the least culpable. <laughs> yeah. Well, funny how that turns out. Um, I don't and know who the others in that if case. If somebody's tampering with his records to show that he was taking drugs when he never confessed that, then clearly they've, they've got it in for him. Somebody in there has, has got it in there yeah. for him. And, and well, I think the real investigation should turn on that. Who, who's, who's violating his rights and law, the law by, by doing this? Without knowing more, the picture of Bobby Sneed is that of an African-American male. In prison yeah, in the south, guess. yeah, that's right. So, sure. and and in prison in the south in the seventies, which I'm sure was, you know, yeah, worse, worse than it is today. Yeah. Yeah. So, who knows what happened to the others in the case? But I'm, sh- I I would like to suggest that that fact plays a role in his current treatment, with no more basis than that. Yeah, very likely, sadly, say. All right. Final thoughts? Either one of you? Uh, no, thanks. All right. Yeah, fun. Okay, That'll great. do it for us. Glad you were able to join us in the middle there, KS. Yeah, sorry I was uh, late, but we had some other things going on. That's okay. There. That's, the, that's yeah. the beauty of the clubhouse format is that you can come and join and go as you please. Like, I saw you join the room. You were listening. You put your hand up. I figured out a way to get you in there, and then you get to comment. So anyone else yeah, who's listening great. that wants to participate, you know, if, if you're listening live or listening on the podcast, you want to get in, it's as easy as that. Join the club, put your hand up, and we'll find a way to get you your voice uh, out on the podcast. But that being Great. said, that'll do it for us. You guys all know where to find us, anarchistexperience.com, on Telegram, t.me slash anarchistexperience, or t.me slash theanarchistexperience. And if you would like to contribute to the show financially, you can do so through Patreon, patreon.com slash theanarchistexperience. Thank you very much for listening, and we'll talk to you all next week. Peace. Aloha. Thank <laughs> you.